welcome to another episode of 30 minutes with dailystraits.com this is your host june rumley our guest today is melbourne based elliot delis the ceo and founder of security firm Phronosis security so a little bit about uh, his firm uh, elliot works directly with government agencies and technology startups to provide pragmatic pragmatic security solutions and cyber security consultation. They specialize in world-class governance, risk and compliance services, cutting edge penetration testing, innovative security architecture, tailored security awareness and education campaigns, as well as security management and strategy through its proven VCICO, VCISO offering. So our chat with uh, Elliot today is going to be about uh, cyber attacks that Australia businesses are experiencing of late and what sort of little things startups or small businesses can do to safeguard their business from being attacked on the internet. So without further ado, let's invite Elliot to the show. Hi, Elliot. How are you? Good, Jane. Great to be here. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today and chatting with us. Uh, and uh, so let's dive right into the questions. Can you tell me about yourself and how you founded your wonderful company? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so I studied philosophy and communications at university uh, and fairly quickly realised that the life of an academic was not for me. Uh, so I worked for the Australian Department of Defence for about six years and that gave me a good technical understanding of, I suppose, the main cybersecurity uh, threats that government organisations and Australian businesses were facing. Uh, it was an excellent opportunity to kind of get really close to the coalface and understand this is what was sort of happening behind the scenes and this was some of the drivers behind some of the threats that we're seeing at the time. Uh, I left to join a cybersecurity startup, which quickly grew to become the country's largest peer play consultancy, at which point I moved to London to head up uh, the Europe, Middle East and Africa division for strategic consulting after our startup was acquired. Uh, and then I returned to Australia during COVID to uh, set up Phronesis Security. So Phronesis is a term from ancient Greek philosophy that roughly translated means practical wisdom. Uh, and that's something that's very important to us. You know, we we recognise that a lot of organisations understand the importance of cyber threats. They have good technology and they have good people. It's just how to apply that knowledge and how to get the different pieces, moving pieces to sort of work together um, is, is often the, the core challenge. So, you know, we we think that people and culture should be really at the front of that. Uh, and we also have a corporate philanthropy mission as well, which is an extension of our idea of Phronesis that, you know, we understand the world has immediate serious problems that it's facing. Uh, and then we want to use our knowledge to try and do some good to help solve some of those problems. Awesome answer. OK, so I'm sure you've been reading the news like everyone else. So, um, you know, we've been flooded with so many attacks. We started with Optus and it's not stopping. It's gone to Medibank, Woolworths, you know. And uh, so big companies in Australia especially has been experiencing an influx of cyber security threats today. So mm. uh, what do you have to say about that? I, look, I would say October of 2022 has probably been the worst year for cyber professionals in Australia. It's, it's, it's been devastating. Um, I, I think the, the, the reality is that a lot of these attacks are not the result of anything new or strange or unexpected. We've seen exposed API endpoints, we've seen stolen credentials, um, and these are fairly common attack vectors. And, and the, 
the challenge is that, you know, providing access to the right information to the right people at the right time, while also making sure that you have good visibility of your environment and you're reducing your attack surface is, is a serious challenge. And I think in some ways, Australia has been sheltered by our geography. You know, if we go back to 2017, when we look at WannaCry, a lot of these major campaigns would sort of uh, run across the, across the world while everyone in Australia was sleeping. Uh, and so in some respect, I think, you know, we, we perhaps have become a little complacent. Some of our laws and regulations around sort of data retention and data disposal and the right to be forgotten have, have fallen behind other places like Europe. Uh, and the, the, the sad fact is, I think this is the wake up call that we, we need to start putting in place some uh, some regulatory measures that actually have some teeth to compel organisations to to really treat data with the sensitivity that it should be. Okay, what is the repercussions of having your data exposed on the dark web? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on the type of data, obviously, but but the main concern is identity fraud. So someone trying to uh, take out a line of credit in your name, or someone trying to assume your identity to take out a loan or someone trying to gain access to your credit card information to make fraudulent purchases. Um, the, the one resource I always point people to if they have been affected by a data breach is ID Care. ID Care have some fantastic resources to understand how you can mitigate the impacts of being caught up in a data breach. Uh, but the reality is sometimes it can take a long time to actually see the repercussions of a cyber attack. Um, this, this data is often sat on by criminals for months or even years before it's sold. Uh, so just remaining remaining vigilant is, is really, really key uh, after an organisation or an individual has been impacted by a breach. Okay, so the fines for serious data breach will be increased to 50 million, which is a multiple upgrade from the 22, 2.2 million that it's currently on. So would you do you think that this would deter international companies, like because Optus is Singapore-based, from setting shop here in Australia? No, I'd like to think it's the exact opposite, to be honest. I mean, I genuinely believe that uh, cybersecurity is a growth enabler. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you if you want to invest in a business, if you want to become a customer of a business, then knowing that they're meeting their regulatory requirements around data protection is absolutely critical. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be investing in a business that I think is going to be crippled by a cyber attack because they don't protect their systems or they don't handle data appropriately. Uh, and by the same token, as a, as a customer, I, I wouldn't want to be um, engaging with a business that I felt didn't take the uh, obligation to protect my data really seriously. So I'd like to think, in fact, that it could be very much the opposite. I mean, if we look in Europe at uh, after the rollout of GDPR, I mean, organisations like Amazon have been fined 746 million euros. I mean, th these are astronomical fines uh, and it certainly hasn't deterred uh, organisations from, you know, operating in those markets. I think it's rather just... Uh, Put pressure on those organizations to take their security responsibility seriously awesome so uh let's move on to the uh startups and small businesses so there's a lot of mom and pops businesses operating from the house mm. and a lot of them have e-commerce websites selling a myriad of things okay and so um they basically handle everything on their own so how do these uh i mean maybe we can give some tips for them on how to uh, ensure that their businesses do not fall prey to cyber attacks. Would you have any? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first and foremost is protect your credentials. That 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 you know, whether it's an organization large or small, the easiest way for someone to get in is is to be able to 
credentials. So I always advocate, you know, use a password manager, use long, strong, unique passwords, enable 2FA for absolutely anything. Obviously, any administrator interfaces, you really, really want to make sure that they're protected by multi-factor authentication as well. Um, the other good thing about using modern password managers is they typically include some sort of threat intelligence as well. So they'll notify you if passwords that you're using have been caught up in breaches previously, which, which is quite good. Secondly, is also just protecting devices, you know, making sure that devices uh, have full disk encryption enabled, also a password protected, that you don't store unnecessary sensitive information on devices that might be, you know, lying around and get stolen. Because, I mean, when it comes to a small business, you know, it, it's less likely, it's, it's never unlikely, you know, there's always opportunistic sort of drive-by attacks, but it's less likely you're going to be targeted by a uh, sophisticated criminal network. But, you know, if, if someone picks up your laptop off the table at a cafe, you know, that's that's going to be bad. You know, no one likes losing a laptop, but it's significantly less bad if that uh, device is adequately protected and you're not losing all of your sensitive business information as a result of that. Thirdly, as well, I, I would say, you know, think about website security and think about cloud environment security. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you're using links to share resources to team members, you know, make sure that those links aren't publicly accessible, that anyone could just pick up one of those links and, and use it to gain access to cloud information. If you're using cloud repositories as well, make sure that they're locked down as well. That's a very common source of data breaches as well. Thankfully, you know, it sort of peaked in 2018. We're seeing it start to taper off, but misconfiguration of data repositories is, is super, super common one as well. And, and just having a bit of uh, a bit of thought about what your digital footprint is like and what your attack surface area is like you know another really common one although again it's not as bad as it used to be is just you know sort of putting plugins into your website without really thinking about the functionality or the security vulnerabilities they may add um, that's a common one for small businesses as well is introducing additional risks or vulnerabilities without realizing that you know they might not even actually give you any functionality that's core to your business so just always being mindful of you know every time you make a change, is this potentially introducing a vulnerability that could be exploited? Wow, okay, that's really good. Okay, so a recent Digital Quality of Life Index says that Australian security ranks 43rd in the world. So it's significantly lower than the UK and New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> so should more investments be poured in to remedy this? Like, I don't know if you think the government should like look into this more because the budget is coming up. Like in the, yeah, coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I would always say further investment in in uh, IT and technology and cybersecurity is a good thing. Um, I do know that the uh, the rankings that you're referring to, the primary thing that holds Australia back is internet quality. Uh, internet quality issues have been a big issue in Australia for a very long time. Um, I, there were obviously issues and challenges with the uh, national broadband network rollout, and, and the other thing is as well, you know, Australia is a geographically dispersed country with sort of dense population centres that are thousands of kilometres away from each other. So having the underlying infrastructure, the fibre or the copper to connect uh, those cities uh, reliably has always been a challenge. Um, I, I know that, you know, a, a move towards satellite internet, for example, is a good way that uh, data uh, internet quality in remote areas has been has been improved lately. But yeah, certainly any anything that gives Australia more of a competitive advantage in, in the IT and the cybersecurity space is a good thing in my book. Awesome. So there were a lot of other damaging uh, thing in the report. So one of them was uh, that really stood out was as e-security score is lower than the average of Oceania and Europe. And also that they have, um, you know, it's um, 
that it's dropped seven positions since last year. I have no idea uh, why, but do you think that's because a lot of other people are uh, like there's a lot of attacks and also more people using the bandwidth? What what could be the possible problem here? Um, I look. I think the big thing holding Australia back is that we are behind other parts of the world on the regulatory front. Uh, there is, as as you mentioned, you know, we have very limited means up until very very recently to impose fines or, or restrictions on organisations that don't handle their data properly. Um, you know, if we look at things like the Verizon twenty twenty two data uh, breach investigation report, uh, we we see that you know Australia isn't exposed to more cyber attacks in general, but the types of cyber attacks that we face are a little different. We have a lower than typical amount of ransomware, for example, but we see much higher exploitation of web applications. This might be a reflection of the environment within which we operate. There's a, a lot of use of web applications, but I also think as well, um, you, you know, th there is a somewhat laissez-faire cultural attitude sometimes um, and and you know in in some ways we we are very lucky to not be uh, threatened by major geopolitical pressures a lot of the time like other parts of the world are but at the same time as well it, it can make us a little complacent and I think a lot of organizations are beginning to wake up to the reality that they may be a target when they historically didn't think they would be um, you know I, I've heard this from organizations before they go you know who on earth would target us and if you know if you're a decent human being it's a very genuine question but if you look at something like the Medibank attack, where someone's taken sensitive health information and dumped it on a Russian criminal site and sold that information on, uh, it really is a wake-up call to say, you know, cyber criminals will do whatever's required to make a dollar uh, and, and simply hoping that, you know, you will fly below the radar is no longer, I think, uh, going to give you the assurance that you really need. Awesome. Okay, so Australia has a lack of cyber security experts. I think this makes the nation more vulnerable to cyber crimes. Um, so why do most Aussies in general don't have any interest in training themselves as a cybersecurity expert? Because I know you as a company also provide education programs, right? So mm. what do you think is the biggest hurdle here? I think the biggest hurdle is that getting people into any given industry starts at school and um, there's inevitably a lag between the career pathways that people build for themselves in their head when they're at school and and the career opportunities that they get when they start to enter the workforce. I mean, you know, speaking from my own personal perspective, I certainly never anticipated ending up in cybersecurity. It was somewhat of a sort of surreptitious journey for me. Um, so I think, you know, having, having, having role models, having mentors, having programs in place that encourage young people to see their place in the industry, um, I think we i mean i know we have a serious issue with gender diversity in the industry as well and so you know part of this is simply making it a warm and welcoming and inclusive industry for other people to go that seems exciting that seems interesting i think i have a place in that we can obviously do things like introduce government programs that introduce additional funding to stem we can set up things like mentoring programs and other initiatives that bring people into organizations where otherwise they might not have really considered it a viable career pathway but there's definitely an element of cultural change and and it is happening you know it's 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 not all bleak and doom and gloom um, i think that the idea that cybersecurity is everybody's responsibility and you don't have to have been a net 
network engineer for 10 years to understand the fundamental principles of information confidentiality, integrity and availability are changing. Um, and, and really, we, we just need more of that. We, we need more ways to encourage young people to see that this is an industry where they could have a place. Awesome. So let's talk about your company. So any expansion plan for next year? Um, look, we, we are growing very rapidly. Um, the focus at the moment is on Australia. We, we have a lot of business between multiple states. And, uh, you know, fundamentally, my, my view is that, um, you know, it's it's better to grow slowly and do it well than grow too fast and, and uh, you know, compromise quality. So we, we are expanding. We are looking at different regions within Australia as well. There has been some interest about potentially doing some work in New Zealand. Um, but for the time being, we're just trying to make sure that we continue to maintain the standard that we have so far. Awesome. So your advice for anyone, because you're an entrepreneur yourself, who wants to start their own security, cybersecurity business? Yeah, for someone that's interested in starting their own cybersecurity business, the first thing I think is really just to understand, you know, what is the market that you're targeting and what is the unique selling proposition? And I know that sounds kind of hackneyed and cliche, but um, it's it's really important to recognise that there are quite significant differences in the drivers between different industries and how they consume cybersecurity services. Um, you know, for example, we see in government, a lot of it is about regulatory compliance and it's about maintaining a service mandate. Uh, it's often long, slow compliance programs that require really a lot of investment in understanding how the government uh, department operates, where their dependencies are, where the use of third party suppliers are, and really getting an understanding of, of what makes the department tick so that you can tailor your approach accordingly. Uh, whereas obviously, you know, if, if you're looking more say at the startup space, it's often less about sort of long-term regulatory compliance and more about making sure, you know, is our platform secure? Are our people doing the right thing? So we see, you know, in that area, a lot more penetration testing, a lot more security architecture reviews. So you really just want to understand, you know, what is it that you're going to offer that's going to be different? And if you are planning on starting your own business, the other thing I'd say is, you know, it's absolutely critical to understand what sort of insurances you need to have in place. Um, I have talked to other people looking to enter the industry that have sort of said, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get my insurances further down the line, not realising that, uh, I mean, one, just for, for your own sanity, it's, it's a really important assurance to have. But secondly, you know, there, there's a lot of clients that simply won't work with you if you, you don't have substantial public indemnity and uh, private liability insurance. So it's it's always something that I, I encourage people thinking about starting their own business to do. Um, and then as well, you know, just, just have really good fundamentals. I think trying to do a few things well is always more effective than trying to do a million things at once. Um, and if you can build a good solid reputation for doing a handful of really high quality services, um, I, I think that things typically tend to sort of work out for themselves. Wow, okay, that's a great answer. Okay, so that's all the time that we have for today. We have just been speaking to Elliot Delis, the CEO and founder of cyber security firm, Phrenosis Security. Thank you so much, Elliot, for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Jen. Awesome. That is all the uh, pleasure is all ours, actually. Uh, so be sure to join us the next time as we aim to interview another awesome entrepreneur from across Australia. Thank you, Elliot. See ya. See ya.